Hello and welcome to Insights, the podcast from the Cork University Business School, bringing you some of the most topical and informative research from Cubs that is making an impact not just in Cork, Munster and Ireland, but beyond. I'm Anthony MacDonald, Head of the Department of Management and Marketing, and on this week's episode, I find out about the practices and environment of high-cost credit in Ireland. Why is it that some money lenders in Ireland can charge interest rates of up to 287%, and in most cases targeting those from lower socioeconomic backgrounds? Dr. Olive McCarthy and Dr. Noreen Byrne of Cubs released an influential report last November which looked into the need to introduce rate restrictions on high-cost credit in Ireland. And I'm delighted to say that they've joined me on this week's podcast. So, Olive and Noreen, you're very welcome. Um, Olive, maybe I might start with, with you. Um, and first of all, it was interesting to look at the, some of the statistics from the report. And people might be very surprised to hear how prevalent moneylenders and their use are in Ireland. And there appears to be an estimated 330,000 people owing in excess of 150 million. What is the average loan amount for people? So, Anthony, the average loan amount for um, money lenders or for people borrowing from money lenders is about what, 550 uh, euro, and that's borrowed over nine months. So it's actually a very small amount of money over a very short space of time. And in Ireland, we have 39 licensed money lenders, which might also surprise people to hear that we have that many. And 31 of those 39 are doorstep lenders. So doorstep lenders are the ones that typically call to the door to issue the loan. And then you make repayments on a weekly or fortnightly basis to the money lender as they call to the door. So these are known as doorstep lenders. So 31 of our 39 um, licensed money lenders are doorstep lenders. The remaining... Um, um, lenders would be um, catalogue companies. The catalogue companies um, would typically um, lend, um, you know, small amounts of credit for kind of consumer goods, and that would be done through um, a catalogue. So the typical interest rate that would be charged then uh, by our doorstep lenders, which really is the focus of the research that we've done, um, would be um, anywhere between, um, I suppose, 187 percent is what they would be licensed to charge APR. But this can rise to 287% when you add in the, the collection charges. So you can imagine the person calling to the door to collect the money. There is a significant cost associated with that. And so money lenders are licensed to charge up to 287% then in total to cover the full cost of the loan, the interest and the collection charges. Most recently, um, we've a new uh, money lender licensed in Ireland um, by the name of Amigo Loans. Um, and this uh, raised a lot of, I suppose, coverage in the media that we were now allowing another um, new lo- uh, licensed money lender into the country. Um, and Amigo Loans charges 49% um, APR. But on average, if you were to look at um, doorstep lenders in Ireland, the average rate that's charged is around 125%. So even though they can charge up to 187% APR, plus collection charges, the average APR would be 125%. And then on top of that, then there are the collection charges on top of that. And the typical loan, as we said, is over nine months. Okay, so very interesting. So I guess back to, and maybe excuse my ignorance, but I guess when I hear the term moneylender, I think of, you know, the illegal piece of this. So ultimately, there, there is a considerable, this is a considerable licensed domain that is now incorporating both national and international Lenders, yeah, so I think sorry. I think a lot of our our views of money lender or, influ- or money lenders are influenced by what we've seen in the Hollywood movies um, of your typical illegal money lender. But actually, what we're referring to here is legal money lenders who are licensed by the central bank to operate in the country. So it's not the illegals that we're used to seeing in the movies. It's actually legal 
licensed money lenders that are offering credit to people um, legally and use under certain standards that are, are set down for them by the central bank. So in terms of these being governed by the central bank, they are not setting out in terms of, you know, that there should be maximum... Well, the maximum is 187% mm. APR. Okay. But normally what happens is, because um, there's a long tradition of money lending here, so what's happened, I suppose, over time is that uh, you know, a money lender will have kind of agreed or, or decided on a rate and they just renew their licence every year on the basis of the rate that they've always charged in commas as such. And in terms of the uh, is, uh, national versus international companies in this domain, is that is it primarily national or what does the what does the outlook of these money lenders look like? I mean, in an Irish years. context, yeah, is in it? Irish context. Uh, so we would have a significant influence from the UK. So many of the providers here would be based um, in the UK also, as well as being in Ireland, particularly the bigger ones. But then some of the smaller ones would be Irish companies or Irish individuals acting as licensed money lenders. Okay. Um, and in the context then of the money lending and, and the money being collected, how does that actually ho- operate? Um, so what happens is uh, a money lender will call to the door um, on a weekly or fortnightly basis, depending on the agreement with the um, customer. Um, and generally speaking, it's it's cash. So there are online um, I suppose, options. But generally speaking, it's a cash um, situation. So the cu- uh, customer will agree to pay a certain amount on a weekly or fortnightly basis. They'll have a book, uh, just a little book that the transactions are written into. And the moneylender will call to the door as agreed at a set time on a set day of the week um, and collect the uh, agreed repayment from the customer. Okay. Um, so maybe Noreen, maybe just talking to, in terms of looking to the profile of, of these borrowers, would it be is it true? I guess that most borrowers are from low socioeconomic backgrounds, and is is there any gender dimension to this? Is it primarily male? Is it female? Or, or what is the profile of these people? Um, yes, Anthony, it generally is from uh, lower socioeconomic uh, groups. And why would that be the case? Uh, I suppose, as Olive was saying, there's a long tradition of um, money lending in certain communities. So um, grandparents and parents um, would have used uh, money lenders and maybe the same company. Um, so there's a, a, a culture of, uh, of money lending. Um, I suppose also uh, in some communities, people like um, to have a choice of uh, credit. So they'll use maybe the credit union and use the money lender uh, as well. So it's um, hard to break that as well, having that uh, fallback uh, with the uh, with the money lender. In terms of females, it tends to be uh, 35 to 54 year old um, females that um, uh, predominantly use money lending. And um, possibly the reason for that is that a lot of the loans are for, um, you know, Holy Communion, family events, birthdays, uh, funerals, uh, things like that. So um, maybe in generally in a lot of houses that the female would manage that kind of uh, that kind of spending. Um, also, I suppose with um, regard to the uh, money lender as well, where they call to the houses and, um, you know, they have a special relationship um, with uh, a member of the family. And it's often maybe uh, the female that they meet in the home. And um, so they're very aware of the, the detail of the house. You know, uh, if there's an event coming up, a Holy Communion or a birthday or whatever, it's very easy, I suppose, to lodge uh, uh, an idea in, in somebody's head or whatever. So in a way, it's a bit like social media, in a sense, um, an older fashioned version of that. So it's very pervasive uh, and very tailored. 
and I suppose very, um, as Olive was saying, very convenient as well. Um, so maybe that's another aspect as well um, that somebody's calling to your house. It's it's that convenience, uh, you know, it helps to continue with the service as well. You mentioned, uh, I suppose, the relationship. Um, and as you know, it might be that it's come on the back of family members having previously and there's a tradition. Is there is there much more new people who are using money lenders for the maybe the first time, or there is without that tradition? Is that something that you've been able to look at? Um, we haven't looked at that in our uh, report. I suppose there's new types of uh, lending, uh, especially even um, abroad. I don't know how prevalent it is here, uh, but particularly I think in Finland we found, uh, you know, where you'd have um, text loans. Uh, so those kind of online uh, lending. And in a way, when we were working through this research, we felt that that's probably the next uh, step or an evolution of money lending. And um, once it goes into that space, it's maybe even harder to control um, because it's it's on your phone. Uh, so and you also have suppose, payday lending as well, which hasn't uh, come here um, yet. Uh, now it's very prevalent in the US and the UK. The difficulty with payday lending is the interest rates are absolutely extortionate. So as bad as 187% and 287% is, um, if you look at some of the payday lenders, obviously Wanga was probably the most familiar name to most of us and obviously Wanga went out of business last year they were charging up to around 6,000% APR and if you just do even a Google search today of uh, payday lenders in the UK you'll find a whole range of them um, that are there you'll get back a list of the top 10 for example which which will tell you how many are actually there but one example is uh, QuickQuid a nice name for it and it does again what it says in the tin you get your money very quickly um, and a, a representative APR there would be uh, 1,294% APR so it really is targeting a very specific segment of the market where people are looking for money in a hurry uh, no questions asked kind of thing because that's another aspect with money lending is that there are probably less questions asked around you know why do you want this money and prove prove that you can repay it and so on you know you might get asked in much more detail say going into a financial institution than you would on kind of an online kind of portal like that where it's very quick money and um, even quick quid will boast that you know once you've received approval the money will be in your bank account within 10 minutes so it's hugely convenient and no questions asked anonymous kind of a service you don't have to face somebody and explain why all of a sudden you need a loan in a real hurry so this is the difficulty, but luckily in an Irish context, um, as Noreen says, the central bank hasn't allowed payday lending into the market here yet and, and hopefully it never will because it really, it really preys on, on, on the vulnerable, I would suggest, and people who maybe are lacking in, you know, financial education or financial knowledge or financial capability to distinguish between different kinds of services and the cost of those services. And I guess this is, comes back to the importance of, of research like this and people producing research like this to actually, I suppose, inform that, you know, there, there, there's, there's only so much maybe where we want to go with these money lenders. Because, again, I think it's back to that point of potentially some of these forms available in other countries could be praying and aren't necessarily a positive thing for anything, I suppose. And then it raised that question, are we, is that something that's likely to evolve? Are we becoming more liberal in this area or are we actually becoming, or is the central bank and so forth becoming more maybe stringent around financial regulation such as the use of money lenders? You know, thinking back to obviously the financial crash and there was obviously a lot of, you know, concerns over our main financial institutions about the practices. So this is obviously, to some degree, getting into a more murky area where there's such a diversity in other countries. It's hard to say, Anthony, I suppose in a sense, in 2012, Sinn Féin brought a bill uh, 
to the Doyle proposing a restriction on the rate of interest that can be charged on money lending. Um, and that was rejected in 2012. And that was just at the very end of the, I suppose, the financial crash as such. And in fact, this research has actually uh, brought the whole issue to light again. And Sinn Féin brought another bill forward um, in December 2018, um, at which point this research was was discussed quite a bit in the Doyle at that time. It was raised um, by Mary Lou MacDonald and by various other TDs. And this time, um, again, the government said, look, give us another year to think about this and talk about this and, and let's figure this out. Um, and Sinn Féin said, well, you know, in 2012, you said the same thing to us and here we are, 2018. Uh, we've just allowed another money lender into the market. We need to act on this pretty quickly. Um, and this time around, um, Fianna Fáil backed Sinn Féin in, in the government and this, this bill was passed. So now it's at another stage where they're starting to, to talk about it in more detail again. So from that point of view, you know, it's hard to say whether there's been an urgency. I suppose there hasn't been an urgency, but there seems to be more of an urgency now. That said, to be fair, the central bank in um, March 2018 um, issued a consultation paper on kind of money lending in terms of consumer protection. Um, so it looked for views in terms of, um, you know, what people felt or, you know, any stakeholders that wanted to, to input into the consultation paper around, I suppose, how consumers can be protected and, you know, what's the best practice around money lending. So that happened in March 2018. Now, we're still awaiting the results, so you, could, you know, the, the output from that. But there, there certainly it is being talked about and um, being considered at that level. So it's good to see that. So I wouldn't say that we're necessarily, you know, becoming more kind of open in terms of allowing uh, money lenders in. Um, but um, there certainly is a lot of kind of considerations and concern around consumer protection in this area. So I, I can't imagine we'll suddenly become very liberal in this area. But again, it's it's hard to know. Yeah. Um, so maybe, Noreen, if I, if I come back to you in terms of the context then of... Um, paying back the debt so what you know like anything does bad debt in every type of loan whatever institution or, uh, or or form that somebody is using to avail of the money what tactics do these companies use to to get back their their money yeah i suppose they sometimes the assumption is that they're kind of heavy-handed tactics but i'm not sure that is the case and i suppose it's back to this whole thing about calling to the door so if you um, owe a debt and somebody's, uh, you know, they're going to call in a few days time, um, it's hard enough not to pay the debt or pay some of it off. So sometimes the money lender will take priority over other debts or over um, even household bills. Um, the other aspect as well is that um, if uh, you owe a debt to a money lender, they might call to the door twice that week or whatever so then your neighbours know as well so there's that kind of shaming aspect um, as well so I think it's more about the pervasive nature of it and that you know they're going to knock on the door rather than the the baseball bat kind of perception that's that's out there um, I think another aspect as well in relation to um, uh, money lending is that you have um, so the money lender hires agents and the agents then are paid on a commission basis um, so there's an incentive there's another layer then so the money lender may have a certain code then you have the agent uh, underneath that uh, who has an incentive to um, collect as many loans as, as or issue as many loans as possible. Uh, so it's a bit like maybe the the banking service in a sense that kind of incentivized system. Uh, 
you know, uh, leads to uh, issues as well. Um, so that's not monitored, that element of it. So the moneylender might have a code, but then you have the agents. And I think that's kind of a key as- aspect of, of this as well. Because I think that brings it's very interesting where, you know, obviously against all Hollywood isn't necessarily accurate of what's going on, but it's a lot of su- subtle relational type of um, means to, to try and get repay the debt. As you, you rightly point out, Anthony, that relationship between between the, the customer and the money lender is so important in the repayment that it's almost like you're letting the money lender down if you don't make the repayment and you don't want to do that because the money lender would have a long tradition of maybe providing um, loans to that family. And there's a really strong relationship. And as Noreen said as well earlier, they can almost predict when you need a loan. So they know, oh, so-and-so is making their Holy Communion next year. You'll need a loan for that. It's that kind of relationship that they're, they're very, you know, very familiar um, with the family and the family circumstances. Um, but I've observed a moneylender um, calling to the door um, of of a, cost, a moneylending customer, obviously, to collect money. And that moneylender had a key to the ESB box at the side of the house and was able to open the ESB box, take out the cash and the repayment book, fill in the repayment book, money in the back pocket and, and drive off. Or other weeks that moneylender would collect the money from under the mat outside the front door. Um, that there's a kind of a, a probably a close relationship that they've texted one another in advance. They look, this is where I leave the money this week or that's where I leave the money next week. Or, you know, there's that kind of close relationship that you wouldn't have with your local bank or, you know, any other kind of financial institution that you wouldn't be texting, you know, an individual there. It's really an individual kind of personal relationship um, between the customer and the money lender. And that's a very hard cycle to break. Um, and of course, the convenience of it is is a huge part of it in that that is so convenient to leave the money outside the door. And so you never have to make the effort to go to your financial institution, park in the car park, you know, leave the kids in the car while you run in to make their, that just isn't there. It's so convenient and, and so easy to use that that's really, and it's it's so, that, so ingrained in the relationship then as well that maybe people don't separate out the actual cost of this loan uh, from, you know, the convenience and the ease of use and so on that they just don't see, it's, it's just an integrated package as such and it's easy, so. If I take you up correctly in terms of, you know, a lot of these, calling to the door to collect the money is you know pretty regular time days which ultimately of course does bring us back to the ideas and it becomes a very similar pattern of behavior which clearly does actually obviously raise concerns about people are walking around conceivably with considerable sums of money at a particular point of the day so there does obviously there is that wider safety aspect that goes into domains outside of just um the money lending industry itself, or just it's that the broader context. I think it's very interesting. When you know, in the back in terms of in you know, in the context of you know repaying a debt and um what 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 practices to pay? Is there a legal practice go on here in the context of you know you can't pay back a debt? Do comp do these companies look to actually offer additional terms and conditions, or how does that work? Um, yeah, so they're not supposed to roll over. Uh, you're supposed to have one uh, loan cleared um, before you're issued another loan. Um, so the money lending uh, code of conduct um, doesn't allow that, but it does actually happen. Um, so somebody has a loan and then it's rolled over or another loan is issued to, to pay that one off. And I think, Olive, there was a case in Donegal. 2014, uh, one of the large money lenders was fined €105,000. Um, following an inspection by the central bank for having rolled over loans. So in other words, um, 
issuing a second loan or another loan before the first loan or the previous loan has been repaid. That's not allowed under the Consumer Protection Code 2009, which protects consumers from that kind of practice of moneylenders. And so this particular moneylender was was inspected and found in 2014 to have breached that. Um, and so this has, you know, I suppose while, while the code is there and the code of practice for moneylenders is there, it's sometimes maybe not as easy to always, I suppose, regulate that or, or make sure that it's being implemented. And this is why this um, consultation paper in 2018 was was launched, was to I suppose, tighten up on some of the, the regulations or the the expected practice in that code. But it seems to happen. But there are very few cases then um, where, you know, they are sanctioned or whatever. And we've seen primetime. There's a huge primetime documentary uh, probably five or six years ago now that uncovered a lot of sharp practice amongst moneylenders Um and uh, again, you could just see the havoc it wreaked on some families that they just felt they couldn't get out of a money lending relationship or situation that, the, you know, it was very hard to resist um, a loan. And even in some of the conversations we've had with credit union managers who would be very familiar with uh, money lending practice in, in their communities. Uh, for example, there was one in, in, in up in the northwest of the country that told us that. Um, the money lender was calling door to door the Argus catalogue and saying, right, what, what would you like out of the Argus catalogue? We'll actually buy it for you and, you know, we, we'll we'll pay for it. And, you know, here's the, the terms of the loan then afterwards. That makes it very hard for people, you know, who, you know, if they have a son or daughter who's looking for the PlayStation or the whatever it is the kids want nowadays, um, it's very hard to, to say no in that situation. Mm. And again, I suppose that comes back to potentially the background of a lot of the people using this and I suppose some of the, the pressures that they're under and some of these companies ultimately using the pressures that they, people are under to facilitate that. And it, I suppose to what degree then does that come back to, you know, you, you made the point, Noreen, about that there isn't necessarily that much prosecutions over here that much. But to what extent is that partly because, you know, do the people that are availing these services actually have the knowledge or the information to realise what is legal or what is not legal and how they get themselves out of this situation? Yeah, um, probably not. As Olive was saying uh, earlier, people don't really look at the um, APR or the interest rate. So they generally, um, you know, it's 10 euro a week or 20 euro a week. So you just focus on on that sum of money. Um, so, and the other thing is that they um, also want to maintain that relationship as well. So there isn't a tendency to, um, I suppose, report or or even maybe uh, the awareness that, you know, there's this this activity is maybe somewhat illegal. And I suppose the other thing is if you have a loan and uh, you're not able to pay it off at a certain point and if you're offered another loan, it just helps you out in that particular moment in time. And I suppose uh, you may not, uh, you know, view to a year down the road or, or whatever. Um, so maybe that's an element of it as well, uh, that, you know, the, the customer themselves uh, should be also a monitoring element in it, which possibly isn't present. But like even for bank customers or anything, are our customers ever really a monitoring element in any of the, the financial services uh, to any great extent? Yeah, and I suppose that brings in terms of then just the alternative. So we've mentioned cr the credit unions have come up and I guess there's obviously a lot of people, you know, they're, it's a really important institution. Um, and obviously there's the Social Finance Foundations, it makes sense loan scheme. So why why don't people avail of, of these alternatives then? Um, well, I suppose part of the reason is that relationship that we go back to that, and as Noreen has pointed out, that they don't really distinguish uh, between different kinds of services. Um, another thing, I suppose, is that maybe that they're just not aware. Uh, they mightn't be as aware of the um, existence of 
um, for example, the It Makes Sense loan that is um, specially designed to I suppose, support and enable people on low income to make that transition from a money lender back into more mainstream um, borrowing. Um, so it's so it's it's maybe lack of awareness and, and also that issue of convenience. But just on the It Makes Sense loan, this is a wonderful initiative that's just emerged in the last two years, whereby um, credit unions can offer um, small loans, up to two small loans to credit union members. Um, again, those who might otherwise have turned to a money lender. And what this does is it enables them to establish a credit record with you know, a financial institution that maybe they don't already have or to renew their their um, their vows with the credit union or to renew their their ability to borrow from a credit union but it also gives them access to saving facilities so with a money lender there isn't it's just repayments on a loan there is no savings as such so with the credit union by kind of re-establishing that relationship with your local credit union you're also hopefully getting back into a habit of saving and that then of course is much better in terms of an emergency situation than having to borrow from a money lender but just to give you an example um, of the It Makes Sense um, loan if you were to borrow €600 Euro uh, from your credit union under the It Makes Sense loan. And again, it's the maximum amount um, of interest that's chargeable on these in a credit union, which would be 12.67% APR. So compare 12.67% to 187, there, you know, there really is no comparison. But to borrow €600 Euro over one year from a credit union under an It Makes Sense loan or any loan in a credit union at 12.67%, uh, the um, total cost of the loan is €37.40. Euro. So in other words, you're paying back the €600 Euro loan amount plus €37.40. That's the total cost. Now, so keep €37.40 in your mind there for a second and let's talk about a money lender loan. So let's say the typical um, interest rate charged by money lender, let's just say 157% APR. Let's just go with that, which is less than what they're actually allowed to charge. Um, that loan will cost €336. Euro. So add in the €600 euro repaying the principal, that's €936. So there's a difference of €300 euro on a €600 euro loan over the space of a year. So like it really makes sense it does make sense, as it says, um, to borrow from your credit union than to borrow from your money lender. But I suppose one of the reasons that people don't is because of the convenience of the money lender coming to the door and the perceived inconvenience, I suppose, of going to your credit union on a, on a regular basis. Uh, but the, the thing about the It Makes Sense loan that overcomes that convenience or inconvenience factor is that um, repayments can be made directly from the household budget. So for um, in, uh, households that are receiving um, social welfare payments, the repayment on the loan is just a direct debit out of the household budget. So it, it removes that inconvenience factor as such from it. So it really does make sense to borrow from a credit union and not from a money lender. And I think, you know, the way you just put that in, in very simple terms, I think, is, is really um, clear. I suppose maybe then the, the reports, you've done a lot of work in this area. What, what would you set out as the key recommendations? So we have three recommendations, Anthony. Or well, we've a number of recommendations, but the three main ones. Firstly, um, is to um, enable credit unions to charge slightly more. So at the moment, they're, they're, it's interesting that credit unions are the only financial institution in Ireland that actually have an interest rate restriction. So in other countries, you'll find um, money lenders and other forms of high cost credit have a restriction in terms of the interest rate they can charge. Credit unions... Um, are the only financial institution with that type of restriction here. So they're uh, restricted to 1% per month, 
which is 12.67% APR. And really, this isn't enough for them to cover their costs in terms of these very small time loans. Um, so one of our recommendations is that this 1% rate would be increased to 2% to enable credit unions to cover their costs and meet the financial needs of, of people on low income in particular. And I suppose that the, the higher risk that goes with those loans. So that's that's one of our recommendations. Second recommendation is that we feel there should be a restriction placed on uh, the amount that can be charged by licensed money lenders. That one hundred eighty seven percent really is extortionate. When you know, are, and if you add in the collection charges, you know, two hundred eighty seven percent where there's access to loans at much much lower rates, really doesn't really make much sense. Um, so we're looking for um, a restriction um, to be um, put on what can be charged by um, licensed money lenders and bring that right down. Um, and then, of course, our third is more our third recommendation is more kind of a societal recommendation, really, I suppose, that this is a long game. So, you know, there's no point in putting in a restriction on money lending if you're not actually, I suppose, um, trying to get society to understand what money lending is and to understand the high cost of it. And education needs to start probably in primary schools, secondary schools and right up to you know society more generally in terms of the high cost of this kind of credit and that people understand at least and can differentiate between different kinds of services and understand what they're borrowing and how much it's costing them. OK, so thanks very much, um, Noreen and Olive, for your insights today. So that's all we have time for on this episode of Insights, the Cubs Business Podcast. My thanks to Dr. Olive McCarthy and Dr. Noreen Byrne of Cubs for joining me on the show this week to discuss their fascinating and influential report on high-cost credit and money lending in Ireland. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts or Spotify. And for more information, go to cubsucc.com. I'm Anthony MacDonald. Thanks for listening and join me next time for more Cubs Business Insights.